welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 172. My name is David Brooke, and I'm here with a special guest host, 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 named Chris, 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 Copeland, Copeland, Copeland. How you doing, Chris? I'm just super jazzed you got my last name right. A lot of people forget that you have to say the last name at least four or five times. Yes. It's like Beetlejuice. Yeah. If you say it five times, you'll show up. You'll uh, you'll summon me in your guest bathroom. Uh, if uh, you don't know, listeners, uh, Chris is our comics editor. Uh, you're the one telling me, Dave, this intro to the interview that you did sucks. Or <laughs> maybe you did okay this week. I don't know. <laughs> I have always approached you with kid gloves. <laughs> That's true. I'm very. If frail. anything, I've I've like I've babied you a little. Let's be honest. Yeah. No. I uh, I limp through a lot of this. <laughs> But uh, no, you do a wonderful job on the site. Uh, we pretty much have at least two features every week because of the hard work you're doing, conducting interviews, editing interviews, getting work up on AIPT. Yeah, you've been comics editor for, gosh, time is like a mind construct. Has it been like yeah, four years? If time existed, uh, <laughs> it would be, I think, three, three, three and a half, maybe four. I don't know. Again, time is not... Yeah a thing mm-hmm. but yeah no during the pandemic when it started you had all these great columns that you were doing reoccurring columns and you know there was absolutely no comics news or comics coming out but you were kind of pushing out this cool content yeah. to give us insider looks but uh so but now you're on the apt comics podcast where people can get to know you a little bit <laughs> oh boy i'm so excited <laughs> this whole show is just a biography of you <laughs> i i called Ugh. i called your parents and i got all this insider <laughs> info and uh no Actually, this is the Comic Book Podcast, if you don't know, where we recap the biggest news of the week. We review our favorite comics, and we have special guests, too. Uh, Jeremy Adams is going to be on the show to talk about Flash. Yeah, that's right. The Flash from DC Comics. Uh, he's here to talk about Flash number 783. Final order cutoff for ret- retailers is today, Sunday, and the book comes out June 21st. So we're getting an inside look into this Dark Crisis tie-in way early. So it's a nice treat to have Jeremy on. He's high energy and a lot of fun. But uh, before we get to that interview, we recap the biggest news of the week. And I feel like this might be the biggest news of the week. Conan the Barbarian, once a Dark Horse Comics property, then became a Marvel property, is now no longer a Marvel property. They're losing the rights to Conan the Barbarian in their comics. Um, Comicbook.com had the exclusive news on this. And uh, a little surprising because... Marvel only just got Conan, like, two years ago? It's a relatively new property they've been using. Yeah, I mean, it's... I I mean, Jason Aaron run... Jason Aaron's run, I feel like, is the biggest thing that they've done in the last two years that they've had that, and it, that's been a great book, and that ends July, I think. Um, yeah, the King Conan series. By, yeah, uh, which has been and... great, and it doesn't make sense that... Uh, I, for two years, you feel like they would have had... A, a little more kind of with it, but mm. my, my, Mahmoud Asrar's art is just insane too. Yeah. He, he's one of their better artists and he's been the Conan artist on the main series for a while. They've had some yeah. little spin-off Conan series and Conan's literally in the Marvel universe. Now uh, he's in Savage Avengers this week. Here's yeah, a question. I mean, he's, yeah. He's on the cover. He's on the cover. <laughs> he is on the cover. It. He's the, he is the crux of the entire Savage Avengers <laughs> story too. Deathlock is trying to, uh, get him back into the Hyborian age, his own universe, because there's a, it's a, you know, it's a problem that he's jumped over and yeah. gone to Las Vegas and <laughs> had crazy adventures. Here's a question for you: 
So Marvel has been like furiously reprinting all of the Conan comics that Dark Horse originally published under their own label, obviously to make a little cash. But with Conan in comics like Avengers and Savage Avengers and some other titles, when they lose the rights to Conan, can they continue to reprint their trade paperbacks where he is crossing paths with Marvel characters? I that's a good question. I would probably err on the side that they wouldn't do that just because that's got to be some sticky, mm. sticky situations for just, you know, copyright and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I feel like the, you know, that rush of reprinting stuff was maybe them recognizing that they weren't going to have the license forever and that, right. you know, let's let's do this while, you know, the getting's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, it seems like from what I've read, um the, the current licensee, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. I mean, the, they seem to have plans of their own. So maybe they'd work with Marvel, but maybe mm. they're just kind of, you know, they want to do their own thing and, and turn Conan into their own kind of property. And if, if that's the case, you know, I, I could see them doing all sorts of reprints and other projects and new titles. And um, yeah, I, I, I would argue that having Marvel do it just seems to make more sense from like a business standpoint, but right, right. Maybe they're um, taking too much profit or something. Yeah. Or maybe they don't think that they're doing enough. I mean, that's true. There there's been some titles, but you know, I, I think that this is probably a big, uh, a big name, a big license for this company. And they, you know, think they can do better than Marvel, which, you know, maybe is the case. Would it be funny if the company's like, you can continue to reprint your Conan stories, but we're going to want Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, you have to give us Spider-Man. <laughs> and they're like, sure, fine. Sony already has it. You can go, go crazy. <laughs> and the next biggest news, uh, the 2022 Eisner Award nominees were announced. And uh, DC Comics, a huge winner. Nightwing, uh, that title, had five um, nominees uh, amongst like best writer, best uh, artist, best, uh, I think, best single issue. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's uh it's a big a big win for DC Comics amongst these, but other publishers like Boom, Image, they all came away with a bunch of uh, nominees as well. It's funny talking about award shows because it's almost like sports. It's like who's got the lead? Oh come on, <laughs> Stallion! Come on, you know, Papa's mustache! Come on, Papa's mustache! Um, Worst horse name ever. <laughs> the yeah. uh, the. I would call these the big uh, categories, like Best Writer, included Ed Brubaker, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Philip Mello, uh, Ron V, and James Tynan, whereas there was Best Penciler, Inker, uh, which was Philip Andrade, Phil Jimenez, Bruno Redondo, Asad Ribic, and P. Craig Russell. Was there anything that uh, you fancied in these nominees that you were happy you got nominated? I mean, Nightwing. I, I'm, I'm a Nightwing fanboy, and I feel like they sort of honored so many different parts of the book. And um, I also like that uh, Bitter Root got, I think, yeah. a nod for for continuing series, which is great. Yeah. Um, and uh, Beta Ray Bell for limited series. So I think those are, um, you know, some really great things. But I, again, DC's nods, I think, are the big story here. And that's, I think it's just proof of the quality that, of the things that they're putting out and the range of stuff. I mean, you have nice house on the lake and and human target and all that stuff. And I think it just proves that, you know, the last year or so they've, they've really stepped up their game and um, there's been some great stories. Yeah. Marvel is pretty low on nominations. Yeah. I was going to say, they don't put out a lot of like, 
like like you mentioned, Nice House on the Lake is like that's a premiere. That could have been an Image Comics series. Yeah, to see it come from DC is really cool. Yeah, I, again, that just speaks to the things that they've been trying to do in the last year or so. Um, I do think that even though you know Marvel doesn't have like a ton of of nominations, you yeah. know, I mean, it's like it's. I think it's their their voices stuff and like again like beta mm. ray bill so it's like it's not their big books but it's they're really sort of under some books that are still really you know high quality and, and really entertaining and i think that that speaks to something that like um it, it's nice to see them get honors for the things that aren't obvious you know what i mean oh, like sure. the books yeah. that that maybe aren't like the big ones but that you know people still need to pay attention to um so i think in that way that uh, even though Marvel doesn't have a ton of nods, um, yeah. it's, it's still really impressive. Yeah. One, uh, one award nominee, uh, Not All Robots by Mark Russell and Mike Diodata Jr. from AWA was uh, notable because uh, Mike Diodata Jr., who's been you know doing mostly superhero comics his entire career, um, and now he's moved to AWA as pretty much their only working there. He did this dance on Twitter for his nomination. It's pretty funny if you go to his Twitter and watch it. He's like got the comic in his hand. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh is is that what we need from all nominees? Like a Yeah, a dance. Like a, a song and dance number for when you Mhm. Yeah. So th- should you should you save that for if you win? Maybe. But you know, it's it's already an honor to be nominated. Thank uh, you an Academy. Honor, <laughs> to, an honor enough to dance on the internet. Exactly. For Ever. Or maybe all the creators should get together and sing Imagine uh, together. <laughs> and then, you know, because fans really love that kind of stuff. They do. People love when uh, out of touch celebrity types do anything that yeah. shows their humanity. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Uh, moving on to some DC Comics news. DC Comics announced Batman One Bad Day multiple Batman One Bad Day, one bad day uh, OGNs, and one-shots. So this was an interesting development on, I think it was Thursday. They announced first Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler by Tom King and Mitch Gerads, which, of course, we all know one of uh, the dynamic duos of comics creator uh, you know, mashups. These two have won multiple Eisners together for their incredible works. Um, but then, one hour later, they announced Batman One Bad Day, Two-Face by Americo Tamaki and Javier Fernandez with Jordi Belair. And then one hour later, they announced a uh, Penguin one by John Ridley, Giuseppe Comicoli. And then one hour later, they announced a Mr. Freeze one. And every single one of these is coming out from um, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. So every month, they're basically going to carry forward this one-shot or or OGN uh, exercise one-shot idea where Batman has to face off against a villain. And presumably, it's a pretty bad day for him. (laughs) Oh, Dave, you're so clever. (laughs) But, Um, uh, yeah, what did you think of this news? I think it's great. I think, you know, the idea of... Here's the thing. Like, as a a Bat fan, uh, there's never, like, an absence of of great titles. And uh, sometimes that can feel kind of maybe a little overwhelming, just the sheer number of Bat-related projects. But... You know, I think you have uh, great creative teams. I think you have 
the the you know the kind of OGN format that kind of thing and then obviously who you're telling the stories about and I think that that kind of adds up to something that that feels like okay we're not just focusing on this little corner of the bat family or the bat universe and mm. we're doing something different and I think that um you know having uh King and Gerard's kind of lead the way is a great way to maybe mm. indirectly say like, Hey, we're telling the same kinds of stories, you know, those big, really dramatic, really human stories that, you know, will hopefully give you new insight into these characters and, you know, do something different with them that maybe you haven't mm. kind of seen before. Yeah. And clear, if it's from the art that they've shown from a few of these books, it, they're skewing towards an, like an adult audience. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Riddler looks like he's out of the movie seven, like some psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've got a Clayface one. They've got um, a Bane one, a Catwoman one. Uh, I'm a little surprised there wasn't a Poison Ivy one. She was left out. Uh, Two-Face yeah. is also getting one. I already mentioned that one. But uh, almost every creative, no, every creative team on these are all great. Uh, yeah. So we're in for a treat. Usually when announcements like this come out, it's because of solicitations. Uh, so they only really had to announce Batman One Bad Day, uh, the Riddler, uh, because that's in August when the August solicitations came out this uh, this week. Yeah. But then they went ahead and told us all these other ones. So kind of interesting they packaged them all together. Yeah, I think they're trying to sort of, you know, like I said earlier, do this thing where they're trying to show like, you know, we're getting the King Gerard's kind of universe going on here, which is even if it's by different creative teams, it's all the same kind of storytelling, the same sort of like really specific, really niche thing about like, oh, this is how these characters really are. And here's, you know, thinking about them in ways you've never thought about them before. And even if yeah. it's different creative teams, you know, I, I feel like maybe they're trying to curate, you know, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is like a black label or mm. an Elseworlds, but that same kind of like dynamic of, here's you know here's this thing here's this you know construct that we have and and you know you've read human target you've read mr miracle you've read all this stuff like well now here this is kind of in the the world of you know the the bat family mm -hmm. yeah i wonder if they'll collect them all together or not it would be a, it would probably be enough to for like a 200 page trade tra paperback oh yeah that'd, that'd be kind of cool. huge also huge, if you've been following DC Round Robin 2022, the winner was announced this week, and it was, drumroll, Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, Six-issue series is launching. We don't know yet, but probably October, like last year's winner, Robins. Sixteen yeah. titles entered, one won the day. It beat uh, Suicide Squad Dark which was written by Zach Thompson, or was going to be written by Zach Thompson. Oh. <laughs> uh, as you probably know, and, we're, and that, that kind of leads us right into it, a lot of people upset that they even did this at all. Like, why tease 16 titles that you might want really badly and know 15 of them won't exist ever? Will they? Is that the case? I mean, I yeah. feel like... So, uh, please... Uh, let me know if I'm wrong, but I mean, yeah. last year, last year, Robin's won yep. and none of the other stuff ever showed up. No. Uh, I wonder if DC eventually will get to the point where mm. they're using this to like, you know, like, oh, here's the winner. But then six months later, like, oh, remember this? Like, we've decided to finally make this happen. Like, yeah, I feel like this could be a system where you could gauge like, 
you know, interest, the top three to five books or whatever, and roll mm-hmm. them out and make yourselves look really good, mm-hmm. uh, and still only have like one winner. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I I was excited when Robbins last year, yeah, won last year. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that was a terrible way to start a sentence. But like, I I liked the idea that you know if this thing is out, it's because it was deemed the best or it was deemed mm. the most interesting or it's mm-hmm. deemed the most worthy. Like, should we be doing that with works of art? And is that like a great way to, to structure publishing? Maybe not, but like right, from a right. purely just like gimmick standpoint, yeah. I, I thought it was, you know, kind of fun and interesting and uh, a, a, a novel way to hype a book, even if, you know, maybe that book wasn't super duper great. How many millions do you think people had on this, like at the Vegas, uh, <laughs> betting pools. I, I think it was $40 on some OTP <laughs> website. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Superboy, the man of tomorrow is about Connor Kent. He's back, but this isn't the DC universe. He knows with Jonathan Kara and Clark protecting the earth. Connor feels like an outsider more than ever living on the Kent farm. He dreams of one day finally finding his place in the universe and a purpose as Superboy. So this is the Superboy of the nineties that we all loved from, with the black leather, uh, jacket. Yes. And, uh, this one's written by Kenny Porter with art by Janoy Lindsay. Um, I, I, I think this is a cool looking book. I mean, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, you know, uh, we have a, a, a really young, cool Superboy, Superman. And I think that, uh, you know, John Kent is, is where it's at. And so yeah. I'm, I'm a little hesitant of like, oh, let's throw in another youngish super character. Oh, sure. Especially because, you know, I mean, like, there were some really cool potential offerings. I, I feel like yeah. Suicide Squad Dark could have been great. Yeah. Um, there was that, was that Green Lantern by... Um, Size Spurrier. Spurrier. Yeah, that Light one. Light at the end of forever. Yeah, that one could have been cool. I'm, I'm, I'll, you know, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because obviously, you know, like I said earlier, winning this contest automatically, I think, like, gives the book a special kind of hype. So we'll see. But yeah. 90s Superboy, I don't know. <laughs> well, what about Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White? <laughs> I love that title. That's so- the greatest title. I, 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 what, what, what made me so excited to see this news, Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber are, are reteaming for this one shot, which is partly uh, this new story, a six, only six page story with Perry White. There's going to be some reprinted uh, old Perry White stories uh, with this one shot, but I'm sorry, it's a seven page story. But what got me excited was when I saw the title, not only did I laugh, I thought, let's go further. How many more <laughs> people can we add to this? <laughs> Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White's dog. You know, like, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. Uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White's dog sitter's uncle's brother. Yes. Oh, my God. It's like that joke from Spaceballs. Yeah. What does that make you and me? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> so Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, was a really, really good uh, uh, series of 12-issue series, I believe. Yeah. Great comedy. I mean, Steve Lieber is one of the best at, you know, this visual comedy. Fraction, of course, uh, iconic writer. Uh, this should be a lot of fun, and it's cool that they're kind of continuing on in that uh, f- frame of mind, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Olsen was really funny, and not only that, I think they they told like a really good story with it, and they the, I feel like the humor was really sort of like 
kind of dated in a way that was like really deliberate and they were trying to sort of be as like hokey and gimmicky as possible and it worked because mm. you have you know like you said matt fraction is super funny and steve lieber you know uh knows how to kind of draw that 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 art that that you know that feel that works with humor really well and i think it's it's just one of those teamwork team ups that um just makes a lot of sense and i if anybody else tried to launch this book it would be mm biggest joke in the world but like for them obviously it's going to be funny but i you know i'm excited to sort of see what they do again and the fact that we're getting more you know kind of older perry white Mm. stories in there i I think is cool too because you know that's another part of the the superhero superman excuse me uh canon that Mm. i'd like to see more of because it's curmudgeonly editor uh, just just trying to get the paper. Oh my together. god, that's you! Yeah, it's somehow feels resonant. That's funny. Do you suppose there's anyone on Earth where their their favorite character in all of fiction is Perry White? Maybe this will be the one. Maybe there's a kid now who will pick up this book and yep. be like, "I love Perry White so much, and yep. now I want to be a newspaper man." Yeah, there you go. Because you know, newspapers are the future. They are. <laughs> Everything works in cycles, Dave. That's so true. 20 years from now. I mean, high-waisted jeans are in right now. Whenever <laughs> I see it, I'm like, what yeah. decade am I in? <laughs> um, and then finally Best for one. DC, uh, DC released their full solicitations on Friday. Some big takeaways from that. Harley Quinn's getting a weekly series. Hippolytia is back. Hippolytia? Hippol- Hippol- How do you say her name? Wonder Woman's mom. Hippolyta? She just died. Spoilers in uh, Trial of Amazons, and apparently not. She's going to be uh, hanging out with the Greek gods. But uh, if you know anything about the Greek gods, those are, those are some shifty fools that like to uh, play games and uh, you know find out. I think I said that right, right? Play games, and find out. <laughs> f know. f around and find out. There you yeah. go. What a dumb phrase, <laughs> but you and nailed it. That one's by uh, Becky Clinton and um, Michael Conrad, written by them, and it looks pretty sweet. We actually had the exclusive reveal of that on Thursday night, which was cool. A lot of yeah. excited people for that one. And then um, Sword of Azrael is coming out uh, from Dan Waters, who's continuing his Azrael stories. He did a Batman Urban Legends uh, story across a couple months with Azrael. Yeah. Am I saying Azrael right? I've, I've literally spent my entire life saying Azrael. That sounds right. But uh, other highlights include Chip Zdarsky's Batman ongoing with uh, Jorge Jimenez. Um, of course, there's other Batman stuff like Batman Dear Detective by Lee Bermejo, who's writing, drawing uh, the entire book. Uh, who we all know from uh, Batman Damned, the iconic <laughs> moment in DC history that everyone lost their minds when they could see Batman's penis. <laughs> I was at a, I was at my, uh, I met my neighbors downstairs, and they have a bunch of comics. And I pulled out Batman Dan. I'm like, do you know what's in this? Do you, do you want me to spoil it for you? <laughs> yeah, but um, DC, like, based on the fact that they're getting all these nom- nominations for the Eisners, and then these uh, solicits, I mean, they're 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 running on all cylinders. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, I mean, is this when uh, Ram V takes over for Detective? Comics, uh, is that, I forget. Or is that the month before? I think it's the month. Either before. way, yeah. Either way, I, I, yeah. Like you said, I mean, there's some really amazing stuff, and, um, yeah. Ju- the the Harley Quinn Weekly, I think, is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
That's by Stephanie Phillips, so she's continuing the series, and it's been it's been really well done. Yeah. Moving on to Marvel, Marvel's solicitations also came out this week, and one of the bigger pieces of news they plucked out and gave us earlier in the week uh, was the news that Ultraman: The Mystery of Ultra Seven is coming out. Uh, The third Ultraman story uh, by Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. They are teaming up with. Artist, <laughs> what's his name? I can't find it. Uh, I don't know. Where is it? Damn it, Dave. Here Jeff it is. Art Pants. David Tinto, David Lopez, and Guri Huru. Um, there you go. So I'm not familiar with Ultra Seven, but I think he's like a different form of Ultraman. Do you know? I know literally nothing about Ultraman, okay. but. Because this is the internet, I'm still going to have an opinion. And yes. my opinion is that is Ultraman more popular than I've ever thought him to be? Mm-hmm. Because I'm old enough that I've heard Ultraman my entire life. Yeah. But I mean, like, is he, are the kids craving for, you know, a, a third series of, <laughs> of, of stories? Like, is that, I hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. I really, really hope that's the case. But I'm just like, I'm still shocked that, like, he's like in a big Popular. enough demand at Marvel. Yeah. yeah. So good for them. And, I mean, you know, I that mean, creative team has done really cool things with like Kaiju stories. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Higgins is known for, I mean, he, he got his uh, bones in comics with the uh, power Rangers. Yeah. He did a, a very long run on that for a while. And now he's got uh, radiant black going, coming yeah. out, which is sort of, sort of power ranger ish. Uh, there's no Kaiju in it. I don't think, but um yeah, you, you make a good point. Um, I believe the first story arc that Marvel did sold pretty well, but that's in part because there hasn't been a lot of Ultraman content for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a new Ultraman movie coming out um, sometime this year, though. So, I don't know. It's another yeah. property they can kind of milk. <laughs> yeah, I, which is great. I mean, uh, as as much as it like seems kind of like pessimistic to say, like, oh, they're just you know trying to drag something out to ring mm. quarters from it. Uh, if, if it sold well enough, there's clearly a demand. So, right. you know, I mean, there's worse stories you can tell. Right. That's true. Speaking of worse stories, you can tell. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so the Marvel full solicitations came out this week. Uh, tons of comics art. If you go to AIPTcomics.com, you can see the full solicits. Uh, lots of X-Men stuff going on. There's Axe Judgment Day. Their summer event is ongoing. Lots of tie-ins. Uh, Fantastic Four number 47 by David Pepos and Juan Cabal is going to have, in his words, it's going to be Die Hard in the Baxter building. And it looks like Invisible Woman's uh, playing John McClane in that role, <laughs> which sounds pretty cool. Um, a lot of this stuff we already knew because Marvel tends to newsify a lot of these announcements throughout the month, weeks earlier. But... Uh, one thing that was brand new that day was damage control, which um, CBR originally had the um, first reveal of it, but it's uh, by Adam F. Goldberg, Hans Rodinoff, Charlotte Furlitton, who also are famous from TV. They did uh, the Goldberg's TV show, and now they're getting into comics. What is the deal with TV writers... Um, Backing into comics. Like, we all know there's no money in comics. Why are they doing this? Like, Christopher Cantwell, for instance, is now writing a comic. He's been writing Iron Man and Doctor Doom for over two years now. 
Yeah, and Blue Flame and uh, Angel. I mean, that he that's a case of... I don't want to say everyone's trying to be like Cantwell, but I feel like he represents the best case scenario of all these TV writers moving into comics, which is um, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's the same visual sort of like storytelling medium. Obviously there's, there's differences. I'm, I'm not stupid. Please don't comment that I don't know the difference between comics and TV, but like that same sort of like ability to tell a story, not just in visuals, and mm. what's being displayed, but what's not there and kind of, you know, the subtle nuances and, and all that and blah, blah, blah. And so I think, you know, I, I, I don't pay enough attention to the TV industry to know what's yeah. going on, but yeah. I think more TV writers coming into comics, like just makes sense. Like they already have, mm-hmm. you know, the brain for that kind of visual storytelling. So, you know, if they come on and, and they can sort of do something great, then cool. And also like, I feel like damage control has always been kind of a little silly. Yeah. So, so it would make sense that, yeah, you'd make, it would make sense to have like sitcom writers do it. Like mm-hmm. that just seems like a good idea. Was it damage? I think damage control was referenced in uh, the last Spider-Man movie, wasn't it? Yeah. They showed up at his house or something. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're talking about this because Jeremy Adams, our guest later in the show is from TV. And we, we talk a little bit about that in the interview about how he realized once he started writing um, for DC Comics that this is where he belongs. <laughs> so he like went from TV to comics and it was a natural progression. Um, yeah. But it is, it, is, it is different to write as well. But uh, Oh, I'm sure. Some other news out of the solicits was uh, Alien is getting a reboot of sorts. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is continuing to write Alien, but it'll be getting a new number one in September. And uh, Predator is finally coming out soon. It's not out yet, but uh, it's continuing on with issue two in August. They also got a Mandalorian comic. And at first I was excited. And then I read the solicit and it's just a fucking, it's one of those comics that just reprints the movie or show. Those are great because I don't have time to watch a 30 minute episode, (laughs) but I can, I can read a 20 minute or 20 page comic in no time. That's true. If you're, if you're strapped for time. It's the best format. Yeah. They had so many of those when we were growing up, like, you know, Batman, the movie in comic format, stuff like that. Oh, I loved those. Mm-hmm. Definitely kind of to watch movies. And there's a, there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, series, although that's by Christopher Cantwell, which we were just talking about. But um, yeah, that one is not a, like a reprint of the show. It's that just, is not. No, I hope not. Yeah. No, that would give, give things away. Maybe. Yeah, no. <laughs> Actually, by the time it's out in August, we have already seen the Obi-Wan show. Yeah. Chris, I have to ask you a question. Um, yes. This is a question for your future self. How was Obi-Wan and Kenobi? Was it a good show? I It was probably great. And I probably <laughs> spent most of the first episode being like, wow, his beard looks great. I love you and McGregor and a beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So dreamy. So great. I love it. I think he should take the moniker Mick Dreamy. <laughs> Controversial take. <laughs> I'll let you stand alone on that. Moving on to some indie comics news. Valiant is teaming up with Blanks, a company I never knew existed until this week, that makes sneakers. They're going to start making um, comic book sneakers. They they unveiled their Punk Mambo sneaker. And I got a little sad when, after I posted this news because Adam Gorham, who's not mentioned in the press release, drew the picture that's on the sneaker. And he didn't even fucking know they were doing this until he saw our news. Like, what the hell? Why can't they just give people a heads up on stuff like this? Uh, 
because companies can sometimes not be good. Oh, that's right. That's true. That's correct. Um, I waited uh, to to look at the shoes until now. Yeah. So this is this is live real time reaction. Yeah. Um, they're cool, but mm-hmm. are, is there a huge demand for like comics clothing that isn't just like a Batman t shirt or like right. a like a you know a Spider Man hoodie or something? Like, mm-hmm. is there is there a market that hasn't been tapped for this stuff? I think this is trying to get into that whole sneakerhead uh, culture because even the press release is like, put in your oh, the, uh, pre-order now because they might sell out. Those people are pretentious. Yeah. Sort of like comics. Fans. <laughs> I mean, the same, it's the same instinct of like elitist collecting. So mm. maybe. Yeah. They, they're going to start coming out June 1st and you can start putting your pre-orders now if you want. Uh, in other indie comics news, Patton Oswalt, Jordan Bloom. <sighs> Uh, known for their Modoc show on Hulu and their Modoc comic book, are now creating their own brand spanking new universe called Minor Threats. It's going to have superheroes and whatnot. It looks super indie. It actually reminded me of Next Wave, the art, uh, the cover art that we've seen so far. Yeah. Which to me is sounds pretty rad. Yeah. Um, it, we were talking about you know TV writers getting into comics. What about more actors doing comics? Cause mm-hmm. I'm excited about that prospect because, mm-hmm. you know, not only is Patton Oswald, you know, an actor and he's super funny, but he's, you know, obviously a big comics guy. And if he wants to tell more stories in comics, great, especially if it's a brand new universe and not just, yeah. um, let us tell another Modoc story. Right. Right. And he's, he's, we know he's been quoted on graph, graphic novels for, what feels like decades. Um, yeah. He knows his comics inside and out, so there'll probably be a ton of references and whatnot. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, be cool. there's like a teddy bear here with like robotic arms and legs. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and, and and we already know they work well together because their Modoc uh, comic series was pretty good. Yeah. Even though it was uh, canceled, which is kind of Yeah, the shame. Modoc show was canceled this week. I think a lot of people kind of saw it coming because yeah. every Hulu <laughs> Marvel show was canceled, right? Like the Tigra one and stuff. Yeah, they did not. Uh, I don't think that's the best format. Like slightly obscure characters mm. on Hulu is right. not a good formula. Spoilers in the Chippendale movie, <laughs> Tigra shows up. <laughs> Does she really? Yeah, she has the booth next to Ugly Sonic. Oh boy, Ugly Sonic. Speaking of uh, licensed properties that other companies own, like Sonic, IDW announces Transformers Shatterglass 2 for August, a new miniseries event by Danny Lore and artist Daniel Kana and Guido Guti uh, and colorist John Paul Bove. I didn't read the original Transformers Shatterglass, but cool that they have a follow-up if it did so well. Oddly, though, we already know from news uh, maybe like two months ago, Skybound is taking over the Transformers license at some point. Yeah. Um, and I think they're getting G.I. Joe, too. Or maybe not. I forget. Eh, it doesn't matter. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Transformers Shattered Glass is a story about Optimus Prime being the bad guy. Oh, my God. He broke bad. We all saw it what? coming. We all saw it coming when we were eight years old watching him die on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I did not experience that. Oh, really? I was a little young for it, too. I only ever watched Beast Wars. If we can talk about Beast Wars somehow, if we can jam that into this 
segment. Beast Wars cool. next issue is out next week, and it's yes. uh, available for you to read in our drive. <laughs> That's Not you, just listener. Me. Just yeah, Chris. Just me. <laughs> so, uh, Image Comics also revealed two new series, and I I laughed when these these two pieces of uh, news came in around the same hour because the press release writer was like, "Let's compare this series to two TV shows," and they did it for both. So one, ooh, ooh. Let, let me let's see if you can guess. Uh, one <laughs> of the books is called The Deadliest Bouquet, and the other one is called um, Golden Rage. Which one is Battle Royale meets Golden Girls, and which one is Charmed meets Charlie's Angels? Do, oh. do, do, do. I'm I'm already looking at the news <laughs> because I'm a cheater. So oh my God, you son of a bitch! No, um, yes. The Deadliest Bouquet is about Nazi hunters, '90s nostalgia, and it's by uh, Erica Schultz with Carola Borelli on art, Gab Contreras on uh, colors. This one is about a bunch of uh, siblings that are trying to figure out who killed their mother. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's some espionage elements to that. This one, though, sounds so rad. Golden Rage is, it, this, this is the one that's Battle Royale meets Golden Girls. It's a future where basically old, old people are like illegal. Uh, and these old women are really good at killing to survive. I probably butchered the uh, general premise, but that's kind of what it is. But yeah, I, I I think if that's not the premise, it should be. It yeah. should 100%. Because when you said, oh, old people are illegal, I was like, yeah, I like it. Mm. Golden Rage documents their golden years of making friends, baking desserts, and fighting to the death for survival. I mean, oh yeah, that's right. Didn't I send you this link uh, on Friday? You did. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's the best thing. Here's the thing about Image Comics is yeah. their books... I feel like always have like a really great hook like this. Yeah. Some of them deliver, some of them don't always, but I feel like this one is, you know, uh, this one especially mm. is, is going to be kind of cool. Um, Battle Royale is usually like teenagers too, right? Yeah. It's all like, and now we've got stuff. a different kind of thing. Like why not puppies? Can we get a Battle Royale meets, um, Paw Patrol? Why not? Do you you want to see dogs murder each other? I'm just suggesting that if you can invest $50,000, we can start our own publishing <laughs> company and every series will be a Battle Royale meets. <laughs> so it's just, okay. Now you I, pitch one. You pitch one. Battle Royale uh, meets. Battle Royale meets. I already have three. Spice Girls. Pokemon. I Ooh, Pokemon. really bad at Pokemon is already a battle royale, isn't it? Did I just <laughs> did I double down on the the murder part? Okay, how about this? Battle Royale meets um, Katniss Everdeen and her friends. What's that thing called? That that's series? also that's also battle royale. No, we're just saying more exactly. battle royale. I want battle royale meets battle royale. I want a battle royale with cheese. How about that? Ooh, a double decker battle royale. And in our last piece of news, Lovesick was announced from Image Comics. This is a neon horror. I've never heard of this neon horror, which sounds rad. It's coming out in October by Luana Vecchio. She's writing and drawing. She, uh, if you can look at her art right now in the series Bolero, which is ongoing right now, but super man, great. This sounds crazy. In this dark exploitation series, readers meet Dominatrix Domino and bear witness to her carnal pleasures. Dot, dot, dot. And punishments. Ooh la la. 
Once again, though, Image Comics, comparing it to TV shows, Black Mirror, Cam, and the Neon Demon are all uh, evoked in their press release for the series. I mean, Bolero is a, a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. And it's... And sexual, too. Yeah, d- deeply sexual. But in a way that I feel like isn't trying to be, like, outrageous or, like, over the top, but is still really, nonetheless, just, like, direct and and straightforward with, you know, sexual themes and sexual displays. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if 10% of that carries over into this book, I think it's going to be great. And mm-hmm. I like image doing more sort of like horror stuff, because I think that that's kind of been the domain over the last couple of years of, you know, maybe scout comics or, or vault kind of those publishers. And, um, you know, there's great horror in the, the canon of image. And I'd like to see, to see more of it. Totally. There's been a horror horror renaissance, and it's been great. It has been great, yeah. Reminds me of uh, the renaissance. The actual renaissance? <laughs> yeah. Like you were there for it? Cool. Yeah, you know, I, I have a VR headset. I can, I, can oh, go, okay. I can go anywhere, baby. That's actually a lie. I don't have a VR headset. <laughs> I was going to say, I, you probably don't have a VR headset. You know, I lied for comedy, and that's what this show's all about. In our Lying next segment, comedy. our top books of the week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. My second favorite book of the week was Savage Avengers number one by David Papos and Carlos Magno. Um, I, I really loved the captioning in this book. That's what really sold me on it. There is a third person uh, speaking, telling us about characters, telling us, giving us context about what's going on on the page. It felt very classic comics to me that you rarely see in comics anymore. Every time there's caption boxes, it's actually uh, thought balloons uh, these days. Yeah. So that was a really cool stylistic choice that worked for me. It also has like a heisty feel because it sets up all these characters that are in the Savage Avengers, including like Weapon H and Anti-Venom. The whole premise is uh, Deathlock is trying to grab Conan the Barbarian and bring him back to his universe because he's been in the 616 universe for too long. And Deathlock is like super badass, like unbeatable almost. And considering Deathlock in the last, like, 10 years, whenever he's shown up in Marvel, he's, like, blown away in half a second. It's <laughs> nice to see that he can actually hold his ground for four seconds, you know? Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited for the series. It's it's just super fun, and it's it's not, like, too deep or anything, but it's well-written. It's well-drawn. There's some epic moments. We've got, you know, Elektra as Daredevil here, too, which is cool. And I thought Papos clearly understands these characters really well, like... There's a moment where one character is defeated, not by force, but by the words of Deathlock. And he's like, you could see like in the, in the panel, like it got to him emotionally. And then he backs off a little bit. But uh, wow. yeah, I think it's I think it's a nice uh, second series for Savage Avengers. Jerry Dugan just wrapped up um, his epic five volume run on the series. So cool to see it back. But uh, also kind of crazy that Conan is the center of the series and uh, literally, we found out this week, too, that he's no more going to be part of Marvel's canon. Let, let me ask you a question about this, because I, I haven't read this, this newer um, Savage Avengers yet. Is there a sense that the gimmick is wearing thin a little in terms of a team kind of forced together mm. in these really specific circumstances? Or do you feel like kind of Propose and Company... Mm-hmm understand the joke a little, understand kind of the the balance you need and, and do a good job. I think so. Yeah. Like the whole reluctant semi-hero character teaming up with other jerks. Who yeah. Murder. 
<laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense because with it's like they're all like being forced to interact because of Deathlock showing up, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but no one cares about my second pick. They all care about your second pick of the week. Uh, my second pick of the week is I Hate This Place, uh, issue number one uh, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks. Um, drawn by RTM Toplin and uh, Lee Loveridge. Um, and it's the thing, if we're talking about really great, it's this meets this. I mm. mean, it, it got me by saying, by promising, you know, for fans of Gideon Falls and, and mm. Homesick Pilots, which is, you know, two great books that I love. Um, it's about a couple named um, Trudy and Gabby who inherit a home. Um, but it turns out the home is is haunted by some really weird supernatural forces, and now they've got to uh, try and make a life here and deal with all these this, these crazy monsters and aliens and, and all sorts of weird uh, body horror stuff. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that it's great that Image is is doing more horror comics, and I think this is this is a great example of what they're doing because it's it scratches that itch of like weird mm, mm-hmm. Lynchian Cronenbergian like horrors and stuff. But it's also just, you know, a story about a couple just trying to make it work together and figure things out and, um, you know, marry what they want and what they're sort of faced with and, and trying to make it through. And, um, you know, it feels like a really poignant emotional story and there's also just great horror on top and um it's also just like a really beautiful book and i think it's it's well drawn in colors yeah it's it's just it's so really gorgeous but not in a way that ever takes away from the horror and i think Mm. you know for a a good first start it it sets the stage of you know this is kind of the rules of this universe but also you know this is kind of how this couple works and there's lots of really intriguing developments i don't want to spoil them but you know, you understand kind of things really well, and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes from here. We had Kyle Starks on just last week on this show to talk about oh. this, and uh, hilarious guy. You got to listen to it if you haven't. And uh, he talks about how he wants this to go 50 issues. <laughs> I I'd watch that. I'll I'll read it. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah. It's also kind of interesting. What one thing he talked about, which may not be evident in the first issue, is like he wants to do all horror. He wants every element of all horror, like spiders body horror da, 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 everything to pop up in this book which is pretty cool i love it i mean yeah there's lots of like it's clear from the first issue that like he's got some really great influences and that what he thinks is horror is really diverse and multifaceted so i'm i'm excited to see what happens totally something i was very excited to see what happened is <laughs> my favorite book of the week <laughs> the shaolin cowboy cruel to be kin number one by jeff darrow and dave stewart Jeff Dar, who's going to be on this show next week, folks. So stay tuned. What? I know. Uh, renowned artist. Hyper detail. No one draws rocks in the background like he does. Like Everything is gorgeous. Everything. everything. If you've read his classic uh, Hard Boiled that Frank Miller, I'm doing air quotes, wrote. Because almost <laughs> that whole book is, is speechless. It's just his incredible double page spreads. This is the uh, fourth series in the Shaolin Cowboy uh, run. And... Um, if you don't know the series, it's about a the Shaolin cowboy who is a Buddhist super fighter, but is peaceful. He doesn't want to fight, but really freaking weird things attack him in this series. Basically, it's like almost like a post-apocalyptic future 
where like iguana, giant iguana lizards roam and talk. And then in this issue, for instance, it's entirely narrated by a baby lizard that encountered the Shaolin cowboy and is now older living in a dumpy city. It's very like um, transmetropolitan in its futuristic depression style. Like everything's dirty and grimy and it's not great. So there's like a almost a political element to the storytelling because like, yeah, the world's really fucked up and it's really crummy now. But there's this one guy who stays true to himself, incredible fighter, and the fight scenes are really good in this. But um, what made this my favorite book is just how freaking weird it is. Uh, just so strange and bizarre and gorgeously drawn. And um, it's not for everyone for sure. Uh, because a lot of it is just like soaking in the incredible details of backgrounds and clothing and everything. Uh, but it, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it on the stands. And uh, it's always a treat to see Jeff Darrow, you know, continue to do some incredibly epic works like this. I, I just want to add, you know, I, I haven't read this new issue, but the the older Shaolin Cowboy stories are mm. just uh, like you said, they're just so beautiful. And like, it doesn't matter if like he's trying to like gross you out or make you feel yeah. weird or like, it's just, you're like, I just can't stop staring at this art. And I yeah. think that he knows that. And like that lets him get away with some really intense ideas, like emotionally and, and from a story standpoint that maybe he wouldn't be able to, if he wasn't just so dedicated to the art. And so, you know, if he, if he does more of that in this, yeah, this story, I'm. It's gonna be great. There's like little bits of graffiti that are tiny but still legible, way in the distance in the background that has nothing to do with the action. Or like, yeah, there are like the opening page is this, an entire city scene from top, like looking down on this these city blocks, and you you can see like details in every balcony, like flowers hanging or like you know cigarette butts. Like, it, I don't. The dude is insane. <laughs> I don't even know how he does it. I, I constantly see when artists give it advice, they're like, you don't have to render every brick. Well, Def Darrow he's does. Like, he's <laughs> like, are you sure? Because I'm going to. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone, like, revealed that if you take away the colors, there's even more detail if you, like, microns <laughs> yeah. underneath. But moving on to your favorite book of the week. What was your favorite book of the week? Uh, it was Nightwing number 92. It was a good it, book. It's, I mean, the this entire run that... Um, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo have been on has just been amazing. You know, it's every week it seems to get better. And I feel like 92 was like such a high point in terms of like emotional manipulation Yeah, from like the covers to the George Perez and Marv Wolfman um, appearance to just like, everything and then it's also sort of building towards you know the narrative that they've been on with you know heartless and uh dick's kind of uh work as you know a billionaire philanthropist and so uh, it's just it amazes me that this book just continues to get so great mm. and especially the first um i don't know probably five or six pages or so where they sort of have the retro, uh, yeah, a flashback which so good. Um, is just so beautiful, um, but is also just like just a really huge moment. And like I love that, especially in that that segment, especially they do a really good job of like showing us like 
insights and um, you know uh, more into the character of of Alfred, and mm. he's been dead for you know this right. entire time, and like yeah. that just speaks to the power of this book and like his presence and just everything that they're trying to do, and it's just it's such a great great issue, and I love it. It really is. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like I said earlier in the show, it wins all five Eisners. Oh, easily. I could see that. The fact that it got all five um, is a huge accomplishment. And I, yeah, I can definitely see that. Well, that's it for our top books of the week. In our next segment, standout. Kapow. Moment of the week. I, I hate that you made me do that. Air guitar. It's it's required. He, he by law. made me... I just want to tell the listeners that you talked about doing this like three days ago. It was very, it's very important. It's the linchpin to the entire show. Yeah. You like came out to me like, Hey, we have to do this. I'm like, uh, okay. So yeah, this is our favorite moment, uh, be it panel or page, but a moment from any comic we read this week. And uh, my favorite moment comes from X-Men Red number two. Uh, if you go to aptcomics.com and go to this podcast post, you can see the art in full. Uh, my moment is where, uh, Storm is got her hand on Vulcan's throat, and uh, I'll show you as well, Chris, so you can see. Oh my god, I get to see things, because I have not read X-Men Red. And uh, he's like coming in hot, literally, because he is a <laughs> flame-like mutant, and she's, she literally makes lightning come out of his fucking eyes and mouth and drops him down. She's basically the queen of Araco at this point, of Mars. Yeah. And she puts him in his place and he's running hot because he's got a lot of emotional baggage. He's been manipulated, but storm will have none of it. And it's just so badass. And I thought it was so cool. And the sound effect is Krakum, not Kapow, but close. Yeah. It's lightning <laughs> cracking. I assume. Is that how that works? Or is it Krakowa? <laughs> Krakowa. Krakow. What was your uh, favorite of the week? Um, well, you know, I, I hate to double dip with night. No, I don't hate to double dip with Nightwing. Um, it's Nightwing 92. Um, again, going back to that, that retro flavored panel, there's a part, um, where Bruce and Alfred are, you know, uh, confronting one another about, uh, Dick's injury. Yeah. And Alfred just puts his hand on mm. Bruce's chest and it's the most mm-hmm. telling moment of their relationship. It humanizes Bruce in such a really powerful way. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things of like, this is why this book works because it just breaks your heart and lifts your spirit in one, one little image. And it's so great. Yeah. I loved I, that whole flashback scene. is so good. Like when Alfred comes down from the helicopter and is helping, right. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. All of it. That, that moment's, I was like, Oh my God, it's him. <laughs> In our next segment, Top Books for Next Week, we're going to talk about our most anticipated comics that week. next week. Um, I'm really excited for Spider-Man 2099, Exodus number 1 by Steve Orlando and Dave Watcher. I really loved the first one-shot. This is a, one of their one-shot uh, kind of event miniseries where each one's done in one, but there's an ongoing so- story. We haven't had a good Spider-Man 2099 book in a long time, in my opinion. Like, the 2019 one they did... Uh, just paled by comparison of the first issue that Orlando did. I think it was one of my top books of the week when it came out. So I'm excited for more of this. But uh, what are you excited for next week? I'm excited for DC versus Vampires Hunters number one, which is another one shot um, from the aforementioned DC versus Vampire story, uh, specifically 
supposed to star Damian Wayne. Um, I got to read this last night and it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot funnier and maybe more like silly mm-hmm. than some of DC versus vampires has been so far, but it's, oh, that's cool. it's a nice kind of like continuation and um, it's another moment where I'm like, huh, maybe Damian Wayne isn't, isn't such a turd after all. <laughs> like maybe, maybe there is something to this kid. Right. Uh, yeah. He's been developing a lot lately with Robin and other titles. Oh yeah. And the whole and this, Razal this, Ghoul family. Yeah. They've really like stepped up the game in terms of showing like how weird and, and nuanced they are and not just like uh, immortal terrorists. Right, right. I mean, which they still are, but <laughs> there is a demon, but they also have a heart. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Speaking of having a heart, in our next segment, judging by the cover, Junior, which you're very familiar with, Chris, because it's the Junior form of your weekly column, judging by the cover, which you do so well and pound out every week. Uh, this is where we talk about our favorite cover art out next week. And uh, what was your favorite cover? Uh, my favorite cover is probably going to be uh, Bloodstained Teeth number two, because I talk about this in the proper feature, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm just going to effectively uh, plagiarize myself. Um, yeah. That I, you know, I, I really love Christian Ward's art. I think that he does things that always feel like really human and gritty and kind of intense and maybe a little overwhelming, but also that is kind of magical and, and surreal and he finds a way to kind of balance those ideas. And, you know, that, that cover is an image that I think you can enjoy outside the context of the story. And I'm sure it'll add understanding once you read the issue. Um, But it's just, it's just a great image of, uh, there it is, uh, you know, just intense. And it's, it's, it just, it surprises me what he can do with just the most like, unobvious of images and and mm. his focus and his sense of detail and it's just it's all of it and it's it just continues this story especially i think he he very clearly wants to tell the story and it's reflected really well in the art yeah it really is i can't wait for his uh, aquaman series that's coming up but, yes uh, that'll be great with rom v speaking of rom v my favorite God, art wait can i just interrupt and say that i'm kind of blown away at your segue game oh thank like, you i never really it's uh, that much attention. It's something I really like to do in the show. And there's been some where Nathan's like stops and he's like, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's been three or four instances where I'm like, damn, that's so good. Oh my God. Did he, this did show he, is more fun. <laughs> did he do that on purpose? Did he just maneuver me into making a segue? <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Ron V, my favorite cover comes from uh, Swamp Thing number 13. And it's a variant cover by Anand RK. And, uh, Holy crap, I'm, like, my skin is crawling looking at this cover. If you go to aptcomics.com and go to this podcast post, you can see the cover in full. But Swamp Thing is coming out of someone's flesh. Need I say more? Like, there's a face, like, flap, like, folding off his face, his Swamp Thing face. And there's, like, a brain peeling off the back of his head. And... There's like even every finger of skin is peeling off to show Swamp Thing underneath. And he was like basically wearing a flesh bag skin suit. (laughs) And it's just so creepy. And this is a horror series. 
So it totally suits the series. I don't know if this happens in the book. Probably not. Usually variant covers don't really have content from the book. But holy crap, this cover is just insane. And I can't stop looking at all the little details. Oh, I love it. It's another one where, you know, <laughs> you can't look away, but God. <laughs> it's a car crash, but in a yeah. good way. <laughs> yeah, the absolute best kind of car crash. Well, in our next segment, uh, Jeremy Adams is going to join us to talk about The Flash. Uh, and Chris, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the AFPT Comics Podcast. Where can people yeah. find you? Uh, in my house. Okay, Don't go. come to my house. Don't come to my house. <laughs> I'm going to be sending the GPS tracking right now. <laughs> God. But I hope to have you on again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to be back. On with this is Jeremy Adams. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the AFPT Comics Podcast. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Very excited. We've got Flash 783 coming out. Um, FOC is today. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, to give readers a sense of your taste, what were some comics you read as a kid and what are some comics you read today? You know, growing up, there was a lot of, you know, I have like four comics on my wall right now that I always look at kind of for inspiration. One is Mark Grunewald's run in Captain America, which was really big for me when it was Captain America No More which I thought was just an incredible run. J Justice League International, uh, you know, nice. that to me hit me like just a punch in the face. Like that was, that was like, yeah. oh, here's this funny thing, but there were stakes. And that's probably more where my tastes lie. Another mm -hmm. one is Daredevil Born Again and also Ditko Blue Beetle, uh, Ted Cord from the modern comics turned into Charlton Comics, number one, uh, was a big deal. I really... I really gravitated to Ditko. Probably a lot of people talk about Kirby, but I was much more a Ditko guy. I remember my dad giving me like a paperback of Ditko's Doctor Strange. I thought, this is so weird. And then when I yes. when I found like the Ted Kord stuff or Speedball or any of those kind of characters that had humor, but they, they still were doing cool things. But like I said, Justice League, International, it just, it just... <laughs> It was so funny and so irreverent, and I just, I just didn't understand. I was like, "This is insane," yeah. you know. Yeah. So obviously, when I started doing the Flash, and they let, they asked if Kevin McGuire would do a segment of it. It was like, it was like a lifetime dream to have uh, this whole like Super Friends segment that I had. And when I got the art back, I was like, what is happening right now? This is insane. <laughs> Speaking of art, I was able to read uh, Uncolored, The Flash number 783. And holy crap, oh. it is so... What do you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Among is amazing. I know. I mean, his, uh, his work on Detective Comics, I was glowing in every re re review, like just in your face, like in a Neil Adams kind of way, but super detailed in a modern yeah. way. I'm relatively new to comic books, you know, like I'm back, I back engineered myself into comics. It's something I've always wanted. Like if you saw my eight year old <laughs> self, you'd be like, well, obviously this is going to be where he right. ends up. But like, you know, I, I took this long way around in television and movies Destiny. and stuff. And, and I've been constantly trying to get into comic books because that's always been my dream. But one of the things that's been wonderful is working with a variety of different artists. And one of the things that I hope that I bring to it is I just want to write something that artists are having mm. fun mm -hmm. drawing because to me, it's such a visual me medium. And if they're not having fun doing it because they're the magic people to me, they, you know, I'm the muggle and they are the superior <laughs> human, you know, right. I'm, I'm the normal, you know, genomes, right. they're the mutants. It's like, I just am like, it's ridiculous when I get stuff back. And so, you know, working with Fernando constantly on the flash and then having a on this and then, 
I sent him a note when I sent him the script. So I was like, okay, I don't know if you're going to be up for this, but, uh, uh, you know, it starts out pretty kind of whatever, and then it goes off the rails yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, if you've read it, there's, there's a, there's a car scene. I'm sure. Yeah. Spoil it. But it's like, I get that page back and I'm like, oh, he's, he is into this. There are some <laughs> city know? shots so. where I'm like, holy crap, he rendered every window and it looks so real and the perspective is so perfect. It's insane, it is. dude. It is. I don't, the amount of time and patience they have, oh, I know. you know, and, and what's great is like, I'll write something just like a really brief description mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And then they'll take it and do exactly what you said, where it's like, oh, there's like a hundred <laughs> windows there. You didn't need to do that. <laughs> you know? And I was interviewing Ryan Stegman a couple, like a year ago, and he was saying whenever uh, artists, or sorry, writers ask him to draw a baseball stadium, he like wants to murder them. Yeah. <laughs> Something to keep in mind, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, that's, it, it definitely comes from my animation yeah. background, because there are some of those mm. same rules about crowds mm-hmm. and stuff that become a bit of a... A workload like where are you putting your budget sure. essentially is right. what you're doing it's like yeah you can do anything but really it's about right. time and and that's why i'm always like you know fernando's notorious for this uh there was an issue 776 uh the dr fate issue where i was like oh dr fate and flash are attacked by a couple of goblins he drew like 60 <laughs> goblins <laughs> i was like uh huh you know but uh 783 you can tell, or at least mm. I feel like Amante's having fun because the task at hand is Dark Crisis is happening. We've got to find Barry right. Allen. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to do that? And luckily, we've already set up some of the kind of the sci-fi mm. stuff in the Flash series up till now. And so being able to pull in the Flash family as it is, although Bart's not there, and I know people are angry at me, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with me, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it, the fact that they're uh, getting together and kind of searching for Barry in a way that I think is plausible within the Flash sci-fi mm-hmm. universe, and then giving Amonke some little things, and hopefully it will surprise the reader. Hopefully they'll sit there and go like, "What is? What is that? What's behind Jay and I right, right now? Like, right. what is? Who is that? You know, what is this? You know, because I I want people, you know, because this is going to be a there's the flash readers which the the people of the flash the fandom has been unbelievable they've been unbelievable to me and anybody that works in genre knows that is a tricky situation oh sure you know i have ruined all the childhoods <laughs> in scooby-doo right. and supernatural right. like at different times you make one hiccup and it's right. like you're done and so far the flash fans have been incredibly supportive and nice and i and i can feel their love and at the same time i think there's a lot of people that haven't stepped into the book and haven't come to read the book and oh, this might be the first time i think it would be a good spot it would be a good spot for jump on because like it's just so. so fun especially in that back half like you were saying i mean it's not out till june 21st yeah. but it, it feels like an event right. inside the event because this is tying into dark crisis how closely were you working with josh right. williamson um since he's kind of curating the event so josh has been yeah well josh has been like an incredible supporter of mine when I when I start on the yeah. flash and we start talking and then I knew he was kind of basically spearheading all of DC. <laughs> it seemed like I was like, right. Josh, how many books are you reading, man? Like I mean writing, like help you know, chill out. Chill reading out. too. Reading too. Like two weeks ago we were talking about it. He's like one of the worst things about doing an event is I've got to read so many scripts, he said. <laughs> right. So he he said, hey listen, I I I need you to go 
he, we talked about and it's like i need you to go find barry for me you nice. know and it's like okay what are the guardrails yeah. here and there weren't many so i was like okay great and of course it is is one of those double-edged swords when somebody says to me like i need you to do this and this and i'm like that's all are you sure <laughs> because if you say yes then i'm going to introduce a lot of right, weird right. stuff <laughs> anything goes and and he was like yeah and i i think sometimes they go It'll be fine. It'll be straightforward. I'm like, nope, we are going to do this and we're going to do this. Because again, I, I don't know if it's my ADD mm. tendencies, but like, I don't want to be bored writing it either. Sure. You know, there was, a, there's a great quote by Hitchcock. That's like, if your if your movie's ever too boring, just have someone walk in with yeah. a gun. And I was like, yes, that's true. <laughs> you know? So like, if I'm writing something and I'm like, oh, there's too much of the talkie talkie. It's like something. Robbery. Now. Why is there a robbery on every yeah, four robbery pages of Jeremy Adams scripts? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this has been great. This has been my first time really in the, I mean, I've done it. I did it a little bit in the, in my Eclipso saga where I had two kind of competing storylines with the kids uh, you know, Ira and Jay were doing something with Animal Man's daughter Maxine, and then Wally's over here in you know mm -hmm. Gem World, and and then there's a little bit where I started teasing with Linda, and then they they co you know right. they came together, and so this is kind of even more splintered because I split them up into teams because they're all needing to find Barry, and um, that's really fun because part of what I'm enjoying about writing The Flash is that I get to explore and add some color or, mm -hmm. or like, like, how do I describe this? Like, even when my first arc in The Flash was really about me trying to find the voice and the viewpoint of what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. Wally and who Wally was to me. And so this is kind of that as well with Max and Jesse Quick and... Uh, you know, Jay and, and, and just kind of like, you know, the last couple of issues we've talked about Ace, I'm calling him Ace now, well, yeah. uh, you know, Ace and, and Wally and like that relationship and what is that relationship? And now we kind of know what that relationship is. And so we want to, I want to, I kind of want to do that with the other characters too. And this is kind of the first salvo to that because not only is this going to lead into Dark Crisis and the aftermath of Dark Crisis, but it leads into a great many things that are going to come in the flash book, which I think are going to be really big for all the speedsters and the flash family and hopefully the DCU. Um, when you're writing a tie in like this, do you know like every story beat of the dark crisis actual event, or do you only know certain bits? I don't uh -huh. No, no, no. I feel like it's super <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> I feel like they just give me enough. So, you know, what's kind of cool yeah. about that though, because I feel like, I feel like I'm experiencing it with the character. Oh, okay, sure. Like there's no no insider right, knowledge, right. you know, because I'm going, you know, I, I can actually talk from a very honest place. Like what's right. going on? And it's like, you know, it's the never ending story. It's like, I'm saying, what's going on, Wally? And Wally's going, I don't know. <laughs> That's literally you. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's totally it. And, I'll, I'll, and I'm like, I don't know. So if, if I don't know and Wally yeah. doesn't know, what does sure. that look like? So and it's so more genuine that I way. I do know. That's what I think. I mean, I do know more now, but I've already written the you know the next three right, installments. Right. So now I know right, a little right, right. more. So now it's okay. Now I know a little more about what's going on. Um, but that's been that's it has been. It's really weird because there's there is this element in comic books. If I'm jabbering too much, see, there's no there's no <laughs> you're not getting. A, sir, sir, uh, I need to get a question. <laughs> in. <laughs> ding ding. ding. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I, I like I said, I've been wanting to do this stuff since I was yeah. a little kid. So the idea that I get to be involved even tangentially in some sort of event book is just obscenely weird. Like, this is stupid <laughs> that I am allowed to be allowed to be here. And I feel incredible, incredibly mm. privileged. So being able to, I mean, the excitement of that is, is crazy unto itself. And uh, I wrote it, I think I wrote all three, like, I was like, I'm done. Very this quickly, is amazing. Yeah. Like, here you go. You know, I was, I was very, very fast with it because I'm so excited about it. Uh, like a little puppy, you know, and, uh, and the first issue gets into like the meat of it too. Like I, I've, I've reviewed over 4,000 comics over the last 10 years. And I can tell you, like, there are a lot of comics where you're like, this could have been, uh, one issue, but it's actually three. You know what I mean? And I don't feel that way with your writing. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, you know, I was worried about that too, because that's something that I've experienced as a fan is like, you pick up whatever it is and you're like, you're just, you're just, you just, you know, you know what it is? It's a, it's like a Frito lay bag or something. You're like, I bought it and it's mostly air and I don't really like that. I want the chips, you know, and, uh, <laughs> we call it decompression and well, I, I do decompression in, in my reviews. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so cause like six issues is like, wait, this is a two issue arc right here. What are yeah. you doing? If I, I'm the same way. I feel like if, if I'm going to write something, I, I know the end goal, especially with this but mm. I need to have stories within stories and I need to mm. be able to explore something with the characters and, and stuff that I think is going to pertain to the other, the other parts of the flash book going forward. I don't want it. Right. That's what happened with uh, the war for earth three. Like I wanted to make mm. sure that it was, if my part was going to be, Hey, I just need to do, I just need to execute this little thing. It's like, great. Then I'm still going to make it a flash book. And what does this have mm -hmm. to do with the flash? in the context of this, because I have a lot of other story threads going on. And I was really kind of worried, like, oh, no, is this going to derail? It's like, no, this is an opportunity to figure out how to tell pieces of the story you're telling in The Flash within the context of Dark Crisis, which I think will get exciting because by not, you know, this episode sets up, obviously, the adventures that these teams are going on. And then in a couple of issues, they pay off in a way. And if anybody that's reading The Flash knows I cannot go for like, I go for like big action set pieces, but also a yeah. lot of jokes and humor <laughs> involved because I, that's, I find myself very much like Wally. I have two kids. I'm a man mm -hmm. of a certain age. And you know what? If you invite me to your funeral, I will say something inappropriate. Like, you know, <laughs> and I feel like that's right. how Wally kind of deals with stress a little mm -hmm. bit. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to make whatever. And, that's also played out in his relationship with Kid Flash, which I've really enjoyed. It's like Kid Flash is the more serious of the, of the two. Right. They have to be more of the adult in the situation. Yeah, because they're because I was basing that relationship off of I had a I have a cousin that is like the guy who's going to get me into trouble. Like there's no mm -hmm. way around the fact that so so Wally is the guy that's gonna get you in trouble. It's like right. Kid Flash is like, I wanna be a good hero. I wanna go to school. And here you are. <laughs> you know, stop trying to mess that up for me yeah like you know like yeah and wally's like what are you talking about this is gonna be great what do you think you know, being a superhero is totally fun you die every once in a while but it's great it's great to hear that it's continuing because it does happen a lot with you know marvel and dc events uh sometimes the tie-ins end up being like okay the main story's on hold while we have this other thing going on right 
Um, but you have all these characters, as you said earlier, splitting up into different directions for this yeah. uh, tie-in uh, tie miniseries kind of story arc. Um, you've got a lot of Flash family here and Flash characters. Is there one in particular you've enjoyed writing for this story arc for the tie-in? Uh, yes. But, but we can't my, talk about it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's unusual because... Okay. I kind of, I kind of, I, I really think I know the voice for Jay and Ira. I know the voice for Wally. I know the voice for Ace. And for yeah. for me, it's finding, um, and I, and to a degree, I know the voice for Jay, uh, the Jay, not Jay, you know, the other Jay, uh, yeah. you know, it's about Max and Jesse for me. Mm -hmm. It's about me trying to figure out who those people are. And as, and Max is really interesting to me because not only, is there this kind of storied history of him, but he's this really unusual out of time guy that mm -hmm. that really was born and raised in the old West and left forward a little bit and then left forward again. And he, he's also kind of philosophical and, and, um, and so that's been kind of fun to think about. And Jesse is the harder nut to crack for me. And I really, I've always liked her. I've always liked the idea of the formula and I've, and it's it's something that I'm I'm not there yet, but I it's like getting to write those characters is is part of my way of falling in love with those characters. Outside of that, outside of that, this also is an arc that really, if you're following the flashbook, you know that Linda, spoilers for anyone, <laughs> has powers. Yeah. And yeah. she has been desperately trying to tell Wally. And it seems like the world has stopped her from telling Wally at every turn. And really it's, it's, Hey, there's, you know, you gotta, you know, there's other events going. So, so she, her kids now know that she has powers. Wally doesn't know she has powers. And um, as you know, I'm making Linda, she is not one of the many female uh, reporter correspondents anymore. She's more, Kathleen Turner in Romancing the Stone, <laughs> like she's she's starting to, to <laughs> that's good. She's like, I'm going to write a book. You know, I, yeah. I'm a journalist. I can write. I'm going to write a book. I have all these crazy life experiences to pull on. And um, she's somebody I'm really finding myself enjoying a great deal. And I, there's a lot more to do with her going forward. Yeah, that dynamic is really interesting to me. Like, I'm, I am very curious how you're going to play that out because it could go in so many directions. It could go in so many directions. <laughs> Speaking of so many directions, yeah. uh, you know, with the infinite realities and multiverse and omniverses out there, and you already said earlier in this interview that, you know, you like to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. How do you curb that desire to, so that you don't do too much? Uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's, just, I, you know, it's, it, I'm probably going to do too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do too much and somebody tells me he's doing too much. Um, yeah. I th I, it's just a gut check. I mean, it's just a gut check from me it, because I, you know, I've been doing not just comic books, but movies and, and television for a long time. And there's a certain amount of pacing. And I do think mm -hmm. comic books is a different, is different craft. And I'm learning that craft. And I'm, yeah. and so far I've learned a great deal, not just from the stuff I've done prior, but like even working with Jeff on Flashpoint Beyond and like certain, the way certain other people write is kind of you know, trickling down into my brain. And I hope that over the coming years, I just get better and better and better at it. But there mm -hmm. are, there are some key things that it's more, I, to answer your question more is the fact that like, I'm an obsessive comic nerd. So, you know, <laughs> right. like I've, I've read, 
all the comics, you know? Sure. So right. there's this, now, I'm not saying I have the best taste. I'm just saying I've read a lot of <laughs> comics. And, yeah. um, and to me, like, because when I was growing up, it was all about quantity, not quality, right? If mm -hmm. I could get five books for a dollar versus one book, I would be like, five books. You know, and I used to play like comic poker with my friends as a kid. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. So, so, and especially because it was annoying though, because, and this is no offense to Archie fans, but he would always, I got a step of Archie. <laughs> so like, this is not, I want the X-Men. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, That's the blind. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I kind of know intuitively what I like in a comic book. And yeah. I hope that that's, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is too much. Because I got to tell you, they let me in and I feel like I put my foot in the doorway and they can't close the door yet. <laughs> you know? and I'm He's breaking so much stuff. We can't let him leave until he cleans it up. I just hope people buy, buy the book because that's the only way I'm staying on this thing. <laughs> and you know, there was a there was an implicit threat when I started. I said, listen, as long as I'm here, you know, Wally's going to be OK. But if I leave, you know, <laughs> who knows what they'll do to him? <laughs> you know, right? You should That's buy funny. this book for his safety. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, we're on. You know, in June twenty first is Flash number seven eighty three. Yeah. How long have you charted the waters? At least so eight hundred. I had to stop in my mind because I was getting kind of like, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And I was like, yeah. and I was just kind of thinking about it way too much. And again, I had a backlog of ideas for comic books. So, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of the gate with the first arc of jumping into speedsters bodies and then going into, you know, I wrote a, I wrote an issue with my daughter and then I did this Dr. Fate, you know, meta issue and, and I've had a, a real fun time. And the way that I write the book is modular so that new readers can jump on board. You know, it's usually like a three issue, three or four issue arc in a main story. And then you get like two, two issue, two single issues. So people can kind of jump on. And meanwhile, you know, some of the characterization stuff, you know, pull through obviously. Right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I, a few, uh, a while ago I said, here, here's the log line for every issue until 800. Here's the <laughs> covers. I think that it should. Wow. Like I, that's I, impressive. I don't know if it's yeah. impressive or insane. So <laughs> you know, I think there's a little of like, oh, he's crazy. So, right. We have to let him do it or we don't know what will happen. <laughs> Hopefully my, my, my in, intense enthusiasm, like keeps yeah. them wanting me to come back and do it. Cause you know, the reality is they could call me up after this interview and say, mm, you're done, <laughs> you know, but I hope, I I, doubt I that. hope people I... are having fun. Cause I I'm having a blast. And, and from what I can tell, it seems like people get that this flash book mm -hmm. is uh, at least the one I'm, I'm writing. And this is what I said up front is it, it's very adventure. It's very fun. It's very yeah. exciting. It's very exploring the corners of the DC universe. It's 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 almost Silver Age in the kind of like insane nature of the way that I want to explore it. Because having a guy that runs really fast is almost overpowered. So I feel like you have to put him in positions oh, sure. that are mm -hmm. a little uncomfortable or out of the norm for him. So I wanted him to fight magic users and Eclipso right. and you know all that stuff. Since you mentioned you're relatively new to comics, writing comics, was there anyone at DC or anywhere really that helped you, you know, get your footing as far as scripting or anything like that? So the first thing that happened, like I, I think I told you, I came on, I came in because I was part of a list of animation writers, and Warner Brothers Animation has a great reputation uh, for, mm -hmm. and I've worked with some dynamic writers there, but 
uh, under five under the umbrella of five G. I was brought in. Nothing ever came right. from it, but I was still on a list. And then Mike Cotton, who was an editor at one point, said, you know, uh, asked a couple of people like, hey, do you know this Jeremy Adams? Like, oh yeah, he's great. And so he brought me in on Future State Black Adam. Uh, you know, the first appearance of Gold Beetle, like, and you can tell, yeah. you can tell the first opening pages, like, well, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. It's a lot of dialogue, <laughs> you know, but it, I, right. I, right. I, I love it because it's crazy. And that was yeah. I, the first book I did was with Fernando, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and then I was doing the Black Racer tie into the Worlds at War. So Cotton had given me a Jeff John script, ironically, uh, so I could mm-hmm. look at format. And oh, nice. um, so I kind of looked at the format and then I started finding out all these rules, you know, and the rules uh, of like, okay. hey, this is where you should do a page turn. Hey, you shouldn't do a splash unless, it's, you know, and these they're quote unquote rules, because my feeling about rules are as long as you know them, you can break them intentionally. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and they were just kind of like advice of about, you know, when to do a double page spread and when to do a single page splash, when to. Uh, if you do a splash, it needs to be, you know, the, the one piece of it, it should be something that you want to tack onto your wall. It should be like a poster. I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. Cause I think I opened one of my issues. It was like, ex- like an exterior establishing shot of Wally's house. And they were like, <laughs> right. we're not doing a full page. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I'm also thinking like, I'm saving the artist's hand because now we're doing channels of us going into the house (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so it's just interesting i mean that stuff is stuff that i'm still learning and it also depends Mm -hmm. on the artist fernando and i have a a, fernando just can like read my mind oh nice he 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 just does it so well and amonke has been amazing i've actually had a a real privilege working with some incredible artists in and out of the flash and um and i've i and the funny thing is i've never had problems with them you know yeah and I've always had, and again, I can barely dress myself. Like I, you know, I have to go to my wife, like, I don't even know. Is this okay? Like, you know, right, right, how right. am I going to tell an artist? Like, listen, well, I, from the guy that can draw a stick figure that what you did there, not that great. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. And that's not, that's not your role anyway. Yeah. And I was like, I was just emailing Jeremy Cox today who does mm-hmm. our colors and mm-hmm. he's just been doing an outstanding job. And the colors are always so vibrant and great and blended and, and perfect. And, and again, that's another thing that I don't even think about. I would be like, I don't know, make it all red and black, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, so it's good to have sure. other people on the team that just bring it together, honestly. And I mean, you've done a lot. Um, you've got Flashpoint Beyond, yeah. Flash, now, now this tie-in arc. Um, Flashpoint Beyond, though, is it, does it have anything to do with Dark Crisis? I can't tell you anything. <laughs> Nick will shoot me in the face. There will be a bullet that appears and hits me. There's some that, covers. I can say there's some covers where I'm like, hmm. I can say that both Flashpoint Beyond and Dark Crisis are going to have uh, both of them, whether it's separately or together, are going to have, um, uh, you know, uh, they're going to have ramifications throughout the DC universe. Um, okay. In a big way. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. No. It is uh, awesome. One last question: uh, Where can people find you uh, um, on the internet or the interwebs? My best, yeah. My best. The best hub of information for me is on Twitter under okay. Space Kicker. If you look under Space, Space Kicker, Kicker, there I am, and from there, my link tree gives you everything else. <laughs> so Space awesome. Kicker on Instagram or Twitter. Twitter's my main, you know, talking about action movies and stuff. 
Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics Podcast. Flash number 783 comes out June 21st. FOC is today. Get those orders in. Thank you, David.